Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do you love comics, figurines, and other collectibles? Keith's Comics has you covered. Keith has been serving up your hero hookup for 25 years with trading cards, graphic novels, hero clicks, and all the latest books for major publishers. Keith's Comics, spelled K-O-M-I-X, is in Schaumburg at 528 South Roselle Road. Can't find it? Look behind the McDonald's. Satisfy your hunger for heroics with Keith's decades of experience and passion for service. Keith's Comics, quench your comic craving. This is the Triple C Podcast. Talking all things comics, culture, and cosplay with Josh, Mari, and Kevin. Hey, what's up, everybody? We are back once more, delivering all the greatest nerd things because, well, that's what our purpose that's in life is. And we love I, it. I thought we had other purposes in life but okay now that gets into a whole religious debate that we can save for a philosophy chat that's not why we're here zach yeah that's the triple p podcast we'll, you'll hear about that later on lots of launch a whole philosophy we're going to try to take over skillshare so you're going to hear us at the end of every single youtube video that you've ever seen in your life yes i'm totally that's the o- hope anyway i'm totally okay with that but just to kick off, there are some uh, obits, obituaries that we'd like to bring up. First being that this week we lost two very dedicated members of the Hollywood acting and uh, profession. One of them being actor Tim Conway, for everyone who you'll know him from uh, the most memorable thing he's done, depending on who you talk to, that of Barnacle Boy on SpongeBob SquarePants. And... <laughs> If you are, he's been a lot of years on the Carol Burnett show. I'm not yeah. sure that Barnacle Boy is the is the one that he's known for, but I'll give it to you for this generation. Kid. Yeah, I, I was gonna say for for the kids, you know, who grew up watching SpongeBob SquarePants, the the uh, the worst show to ever become a kids mo- a kids show because you know what it was originally supposed to be, right? Uh, oh, no. no. Do we want to know? I feel like we it don't want to know. Originally supposed to be porn. What? Okay. <laughs> Funny how things come full circle. Rule thirty four. I, I got you. I got everything. Ah. Uh, well, no, but uh, Tim Conway, McHale's Navy, The Carol Burnett Show, a whole bunch of other stuff. He even had his own show at one point, and now also for full circle for all of us millennials who don't know who the heck Carol Burnett is. Thankfully, I do. I do. Barnacle Boy, rest in peace. You were a beloved hero of Bikini Bottom alongside Mermaid Man, even though you were basically a ripoff of Aquaman and Aqualad, but we love you anyway. Thank you for being a part of our tribe. Uh, we, we really that, will miss you. That was part of the reason we loved it. Oh, yeah. Some of us. I mean, I loved it, but that was also before I really appreciated how awesome Aquaman was. But, well, I'm glad somebody does. <laughs> okay, I thought I I thought I thought Fish Face was awesome before Jason Momoa showed up with his pecs and his and his Polynesian godness. Oh God, and his amazing tattoos! Oh my God, and his and also. So I don't strictly speaking mind, but is this going to be the Jason Momoa uh, appreciation thread? 
It can be. It totally can be. It's not anymore. It's not. Um, Kevin, you also informed us of another tragic loss this week. If you want to fill the information bucket on that one. I know one thing that um, was brought up as an article kind of acknowledging uh, Darwin Cook um, as well. Um, so he, he, of course, was a, a great talent in the industry. Um, he's, he's known for a lot, a, a lot of uh, works. Um, I, w- I would say most of which were at DC, uh, the new frontier, which was kind of his own take on the 1960s kind of atomic age of comics at the time, kind of t- talking about the history and where that optimism was and kind of his versions of the characters and his, his style has just this, like this really timeless quality to it. It feels like it, it's almost like a, like some of the old Superman Fleischer cartoons type of thing. I thought, I thought uh, for a long time, Darwin Cook was, you know, uh, someone who'd been around since, since then. Um, but I found, found out, yeah, he's, he's more of a, more of a recent talent. Um, yeah. And I just, yeah, I, I really, I really like his work. Um, I really want to read uh, Batman ego. I haven't read that one yet, but um, that's one of his, I really want to check out. I, I was going to say it is, he is probably, it, it it was weird because I wasn't, and I'm going to be very careful how I say this, he wasn't one of my favorite art styles, but it was one I always liked seeing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it de- it definitely does for me, mo- mostly because uh, the first time I ever read any of his work was New Frontier, and I just immediately was like, I don't know who this guy is, but I need to read more of his stuff. So I would just, I just took a deep dive into everything he did. Selena's big score, Batman ego. Um, he did a, a contribution for the big book solo, which had a whole bunch of different writers and artists doing pieces. And for everyone out there who is familiar with um, the famous crime novel series Parker by Richard Stark, that was also made into a movie series starring Jason Statham. Uh, Darwin Cook did a successful. A graphic novel adaptation of multiple Parker novels because he had a close friendship with Richard Stark and the Stark family. So he had he was like the only authorized person to ever do an outside adaptation beyond the movies, hmm. which is pretty amazing, all things considered. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's sad. You know, I I'm sad that I never got to meet him because I would have just loved to have been able to tell him how much I loved his work and how much New Frontier meant to me because. Before we shift gears, for everyone who has read New Frontier, you'll appreciate, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you're going to love this anyway. So he, you, the very opening of the book is the famous DC War Comics group, The Losers, which was just four guys who were kind of like ostracized from their various branches of the service. You had Captain Storm, who was a PT boat commander. Missing an eye, wooden leg, and still somehow awesome. You had uh, Sarge and Gunner from just the Army Corps, and then you had uh, Johnny Cloud, a.k.a. the Navajo Ace, who was written to be the uh, Army Air Force's only Native American Air Ace at the time. And they have their final mission at the beginning of this book. And it's just so amazing how he took these four human characters, these four normal guys, and gave them one great final send-off. And especially because at one point, Gunner, who's just this little scrappy kid who um, is proficient with weapons, takes a bazooka and blows the arm off a T-Rex. Oh, yeah, they end up on a dinosaur island. That's a... Yeah. That's a important piece of uh, info there. And what's... Dinosaur Island alone is enough to sell a lot of people. Especially when you find out that the island, spoiler alert later, is a sentient primordial being called the Center that wishes to eradicate all human life and restore the planet to its natural balance. But the point is that the guy was extremely talented. He is just absolutely one of a kind. um, And 
you know, uh, in in this article, it was one of his friends kind of saying how, you know, whenever they lost someone, they would they would have a drink at midnight for them. So I think I think I might do that tonight for for these guys we lost here. And also just the fact that it's it's amazing, like the outpouring that came on the social media when he died, just to wrap this up. And then also when the anniversary came around and it was this uh, well, the well-known writer, Frank Thierry, who made the post and apparently broke the silence on this unheard of tradition. So the next thing was everybody just posting pictures of moments of from where they met him, whether it's art that he gifted them or photos with him or memories. And a lot of it was just people, you know, somehow just randomly finding like, you know, enough alcohol to pour a shot in a memory and toast of a guy who was clearly a Titan in his own way among the comic book industry. So rest in peace, Mr. Cook. We, we love you, even though we didn't know you and your art is clearly going to be legend for as long as nerds still exist on this planet. But to shift over to happier topics, we're all like, we we had a, we had a lot this week. Oh yeah. A lot going on. Uh, uh, Zach, you, because you brought this up at an earlier episode of the podcast, uh, talking about the Dota international, you put this in our direction, fill the information bucket on this. So, uh, you know, it's time once again when I annoy everyone out there with my uh, once yearly talk about the Dota 2 International, which for those of you who don't know what it is, it's one of the largest gaming tournaments uh, pretty much ever. But the thing that's uh, big about it is it's far and away the largest prize pool uh, ever. And it's because it's it's crowdfunded by the fans and they broke a, a huge record this year. Uh, what was it? You said it was uh ten million dollars in twenty four hours, and it's apparently Jesus. Uh, the art, yeah, the article I just pulled recently from the international website. Um, the basic prize pool was one million six hundred thousand. The contributed total pool, uh, ten million, and the total prize pool, eleven million. Which is apparently after a total of seven days, twenty one hours, and it is. Uh, 25.1% ahead of the international from last year. I'm sorry. I was, uh, I was incorrect about that. It was, it was only 7.3 million in the first 24 hours. Only 7.3 guys. Oh, that's all. No, no biggie. Yeah. This can do together. It's amazing. Especially when you look at the fact that apparent it's up 25% from last year, which is still a nice, an impressive number to have. Yeah. I was gonna say for, for anyone who's curious, uh, last year, the grand total prize pool was over $25 million last year. That's crazy. How many people split that? Um, so it's split amongst uh, 16 teams, and each team has five people. Last year's first prize took home $11.2 million, which was 44% of the prize. <laughs> and so you take $11 million, I'm in the wrong industry. You take $11 million <laughs> yeah. and you split that between five people, you said? That's still a nice chunk of change, even after taxes. Yeah, so time yeah, for it's me to really learn Dota. Nice chunk. Right? Yeah, two um, million. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. I, I I strongly recommend that you guys play Dota just because it's fun. Um, if if you want to make money at it though, you're gonna have to work. You're gonna have to work real hard, people. Ugh, apparently we're gonna I have to say, get those like tried. like sixty actions per minute or whatever. Yeah. And... Um, 60 APM is low, but yes. <laughs> okay, I'm not you, clearly. But... I have a lot to learn. Oh God, and... ignore me. I'll just, I'll just clock out now. See you guys. 
and I don't know my Dota. And as more uh, international news comes out, we will definitely be talking about that as the summer progresses and the international draws closer. And it'll be good to have Zach here to fill the information bucket on that because he is, in a lot of ways, kind of the resident, one of the resident gaming experts on this show. I can't think of anybody more dedicated to online gaming than my brother. And I ain't just saying that because he's my brother. I say it because I live with the guy, so I ought to know. I appreciate you can hear him that. screaming from the other room. Uh, actually, yeah, no, I do, I, I do, and uh, sometimes he says the most colorful things. It's kind of amusing. You know, and in all fairness, I actually have watched a couple of, like live streams of some of these events and stuff like that. Um, it's it can get really intense, especially once it's going into like hour seventeen of something. Like, you know, fake all of a sudden you're rooting for somebody you don't know their name. You're just like, oh, go that dude. That dude's gonna get it, and then it's. They can actually be really fun to watch. So, uh, yeah, they stream it live. Oh yeah, whole thing's live. Um, I was gonna say it's it's actually a a, a pretty great deal. So, one of the ways that uh, Valve helps uh, increase the prize pool is anything you buy during the international related to it, uh, shirts, digital tickets, whatever. Ten uh, percent of that goes into the prize pool, which is how they raise so much money. Oh, that's money. cool. Uh, by the way, if you ever want to do some really fun, slightly terrifying math, the contributed prize pool last year was over twenty-five point million dollars. Valve took ninety percent of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course they did. That makes more sense. It it like it's a phenomenally wonderful thing that they let us um that they that they put that much of it in. Um, but yeah, Valve's um Valve's definitely not hurting for cash post international. <laughs> Clearly not, and especially uh, or ever. Well, I, I but just... yeah. So you, if you pay ten dollars, that gets you the the digital ticket essentially, and that gives you access to uh, all of the qualifiers. Uh, so every round of the preliminaries, every round of the main events, all of it. Hmm. All right then. Well, that's definitely something to know, and especially just a quick thing. You, I remember uh, Zach. You've talked about in the past how they always have they bring in interesting entertainment to kick off the show. You want to remind folks out there what famous musician they got one year to kick off the Dota the Dota International. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say last year they actually had the uh, I think it was last year it was last year or the year before they had the International actually kicked off by Lindsey Sterling. Which if you get Lindsay, oh. if you get Lindsey Sterling to kick off the Dota Two International, you're doing something right. I don't know if it, uh, I don't know if it was Dota, but there was some tournament where like Pitbull opened, and it was just <laughs> an absolute dumpster fire. But it's it, it's it was really not Dota. Funny. Must it, have been Halo. <sighs> Lord, it was probably Halo. <laughs> must have been Halo. <laughs> uh, and before we get down that uh, that recreational rabbit hole, we're gonna switch gears to another fun topic. The fact that we've talked about this before, how excited we are that James Gunn is not only doing Guardians of the Galaxy 3 again, but also that he is writing and directing the second Suicide Squad movie. Idris Idris Elba is going to be in this film for a while. We thought he was going to replace Will Smith as as a dead shot. Turns out he's not. Uh, It may very well... I was going to say, and I I say this with absolutely no disrespect meant to uh, Idris Elba fantastic actor i actually really enjoy like when i first heard will smith was going to be deadshot i was like "Mm," but he did a really really nice job i thought well the costume looked amazing for one thing yes a good costume helped but you know i really thought he did a very good job i did too 
Absolutely. But uh, just it's the possibility that Idris Elba could either be playing Sportsmaster, which I think would work because, uh, like this article says, that given uh, James Gunn's affinity for the more obscure and wacky characters, Idris Elba would be a good candidate for that, especially because for everyone who doesn't wa- hasn't watched Young Justice, they're not going to know who this guy is. They're like, he's called Sportsmaster. How is he I- deadly? I would just say, I mean, Young Justice was pretty much the first time Sportsmaster got to be not a joke. Considering he's been yeah. around, considering he's been around since the 1940s, and originally at one point his gimmicks were just things like exploding tear gas golf balls, and now it's like deadly javelins that explode, or um, a a shot put on a on a on a steel chain that suddenly has spikes protruding from it. Yeah, he's become less of a joke. Well, Either I way, I, I really like does a good job of of uh, walking a line. Like he can do fun like comedy really really well i don't yeah. know if a lot of people remember he had a short turn on the office I and mean, even though he was playing a straight man on that like he was hilarious oh uh, he is. straight man is a very important role though it really is um but the other possibility is that he could apparently be deathstroke because they're saying that his character would have mm. a daughter and as much as i love idris elba I actually really don't want this to happen because ever since the end of the Justice League movie, when we had that delightful scene with uh, Joe Manganiello as Deathstroke getting on Lex Luthor's yacht in the middle of the, like, I don't know what, like the Adriatic or off the coast of Malta or whatever, talking about forming the Injustice League, I want more Joe Manganiello Deathstroke because that costume was straight out of Arkham Origins and he looked like Slade Wilson and he felt like Slade Wilson. And that's also going off the fact that Manu Bennett did an amazing job on Arrow. Yeah, I guess it really depends on whether or not DC feels like carrying through with their their uh, extended universe, whether or not they're just like, hey, let's just pretend that this Suicide Squad story is either before all of this happened or it's in its own thing over here. Um, but I, either either way, I hope that they just they carry through with what they started. Because, I mean, there have been plenty of um, comic characters and runs that start start awful and then become something amazing. I'll use uh, Supreme as an example. Oh. Started as... Um, you, you have my respect, as a, Yeah, started as like a, a Rob Liefeld, like skin-deep Superman ripoff. I mean, just scowly. And, and then um, by issue 41, Alan Moore took over and then basically wrote one of the greatest Superman runs that doesn't star Superman ever. So the point is that you can do great things on terrible foundation. You just got to pick good talent, stick to your guns, which I'm worried. I mean, DC's picking good good talent, of course, but I don't know if they're going to stick to their guns. That's kind of the main thing. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, when it comes down to it, I'm going to quote my good buddy Kevin McLaughlin here. Let the writers write, the directors direct, the producers produce, and the people in the boardroom, you just you just crack open that expensive brandy when the movie makes over a million dollars and you get your residuals back, and that's it. Yep. Like, Do I, I stay out of the way? No, honestly, that's why I. That's one of the th- reasons why I think Marvel has been so successful over the over the years is because one, they created a separate studio where it's like this is separate from the comics company. We are gonna let these people play in their sandbox and have fun and do their thing. And when yeah, Disney the and producers for Marvel had a pretty big role in a lot of those movies, especially like Kevin Feige had a lot of a lot of say over the whole life cycle of those twenty two movies, like in terms of continuity and making sure the 
you know, the stories weave together into a cohesive narrative. Oh, no. Yeah. The difference Absolutely. being that he actually cares. Well, yeah. He no. actually cares. Well, the other, the thing is, well, and that, that reference is more to the fact that the executives at Warner Brothers were kind of poking their noses in. And this is no disrespect to Warner Brothers. They are a vaunted no, and no, well. No, feel free to disrespect Warner Brothers. No, I am not going to disrespect Warner Brothers because they're a respected film company. And they've been around since before any of us were even born, so that they, they deserve that much respect. But the fact that they actively... Uh, okay, guess what else has been around since before we were born? McDonald's. <laughs> You've been on the McDonald's thing. Like, yeah, all day since before we started recording. You really have, dude. You know, it's my violent hatred of McDonald's. No, not really. Okay. Hail corporate. Hail corporate. No, but my, my point being that fact that the executives at Warner Brothers at one point went to Patty Jenkins and wanted to cut the No Man's Land scene out of Wonder Woman, and Patty Jenkins had to fight to keep that in the movie. And if that had been taken out, it it honestly would have really taken a lot of the energy out of the Wonder Woman film. I think oh, it would have, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. if anything, I look at what they did with Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Shazam. If they keep producing content like that, they will have my love, they will have my support, and they will have my dollars. That's my. Okay, I mean, they're gonna have our dollars anyways. Let's be yeah. honest. No, not necessarily. Regardless. If the Matt Reeves Batman movie turns out to be a flaming dumpster fire, I won't go near it. Batman is my boy. <laughs> okay, here, here's how you ruin a Matt Reeves uh, Batman movie, right? Based on a story by Tom King. Really, I don't know. Some of Tom King's stuff isn't that bad. Mm. Depending on what I you're mean, looking at. Tom King's Batman, I don't like. Well, I, I'm not a fan of, and I'm sure a lot of other people aren't as well. But that's that's a whole other conversation. I think I think he he himself does well when he has like an obscure character and a limited series, something with like a cohesive end. That's kind of what he's done up until this point, right? I and mean, from Sheriff of Babylon to Omega Men, Vision, Mister Miracle, those are all phenomenal. But I guess this is a thing where like a lot of what he's doing now on Batman kind of meanders a lot. Um, or just basically doesn't go anywhere. So if the, uh, unless he you know wraps it up in the end, um, I mean, let me just say let me just say this: he's he hasn't let us on as much as Game of Thrones has. Ooh, like I know uh, I don't like his stuff, really? so I Game can of, step Game away from it. Let me say you want to talk about bringing stuff back up, Game of Thrones. Okay, oh. let's, let's talk. No, no. no. it's hurt oh, my heart. Just a little, a little bit about Sunday's episode. I, just, a, just a little bit. I don't want to, other than, what the heck, Daenerys? Suddenly you go full-on murder hobo? Nope. There is nothing sudden, sudden about that. that I know, I know, been, I listen, know. Listen, John and Danny have been on parallel arcs since season one. I, they have both I know that. I, sorry, I just... I Listen, I think that the writers have just ham-fisted this in a little bit in the last season, but it shouldn't be coming as a surprise to anybody. It actually, I mean, yeah, it I, actually listen, isn't. I, I have so no issue with her extensive amount of D and D. I don't mind murder hoboing, just as long as it's constructive. Yeah, this is not like I don't have any <laughs> issue with Daenerys going bad. It, it, like, like Mari said, it was foreshadowed, but foreshadowing is not the same as character development. If it feels because like, it feels like she did a total heel turn, and if you know, the, well, especially, the, the showrunners... especially, um, and uh, you know, only having read the book, but like she always had a. a pretty high value on the the value of the human life yes she did you know like she she didn't she didn't even really want to kill at least in the books she wasn't even too jazzed about killing the slavers like she was like i get they're evil and i have to kill them but that doesn't mean i have to like it whereas at in least this initially 
Hmm. And yet, she seemed perfectly okay in both contexts for her new hubby pouring liquid gold over her weirdo brother. Yeah, I she, might, well, I to, might to be fair, he was a creep. further than weirdo. Yeah, I would have may, maybe even taken a step further than weirdo, but it, she certainly took pleasure in it, yeah. Provoking? Yeah, and I'm not going to say she didn't, Um, but, you know, that is kind of an apples to Whereas her brother had personally done a lot of bad stuff to her, including saying to her face, I'm using you as a sexual object to buy my my kingdom back. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, it's a fair point. Having a really... woman in real life for uh, 2,000 years. Mm. Not Ooh, right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, like you said, Mari, but... don't, there's so certain people who shouldn't time travel. Yes. I, I was just saying, look, as long as you're a white guy, time travel's great. Speaking of character assassination, I am so sad that they did my boy Jamie so dirty. Yeah. Oh. Um, come on. Come on now. That come made, on. If that he's made going, me so if sad. He's going back, if he's going back to take out Cersei, that, that, that would have had so much weight to it. Yeah, oh but my like, god! Well, that's what I was I bought know. into. I thought that's what was going on. I would—that was a hill I was going to die on. Like, of course, Jamie's going to go back and mercy kill Cersei. Like that. Yeah, I was. You know what? Let me put it this way, Zach. At this point, um, I would just suggest watching the first four seasons, and then you could be done. And then make it, up your own story. And then <laughs> write your own. Just it can't possibly like be writers. worse. Well, honestly, I would say the my motivating factor for keeping going with the show was one the one I like because I haven't I've read the books, but I also just liked what they were doing with the show up until the point now they've taken it off the rails because Mr. Martin has not finished writing the series. Uh, two casting alone. I mean, come on, season one you have Sean Bean as Ed as Ned Stark. I'm sorry, you have Boromir being a you know, awesome. You, you have Boromir getting axed in the first movie again, really, guys. Um, <laughs> that aside, he did amazing as Ned Stark. So, oh I'm... no, I'm not saying he didn't do a great job. I'm just saying I'd like to see a movie where Sean Bean gets to live. There's plenty of movies. Hello, uh... hello, National Treasure. All he did was get arrested. I forgot he was in that. Yeah, he was Nicholas <laughs> you know, Cage's buddy. I think buddy. Sean Bean would prefer that we forget he was in that. <laughs> oh, uh, he's the real national treasure here you guys I'm not saying he isn't I'm just saying I think he along with everyone else would like to forget about that movie eh, mesu mesu. I, liked, I liked it yeah, I was going to say now, uh, Kevin you brought up an interesting article uh, in the middle of the week when we were just going over things uh, prepping everything a little something about uh, one of DC's more well known electric superheroes I should say Guy with a bit of oh, a per right. guy with an electric personality. Yeah. Um, so stop making this... this sound like a bunch of electro puns. <laughs> but they are, <laughs> and that's okay because electricity is how the world runs. Uh, so basically, uh, Brian Hill start uh, released his number one uh, for Batman and the Outsiders. Um, essentially, this the, the roster for that team. It's it's uh, Black Lightning. It's Katana. It's Duke, aka the Signal. So he actually has something to do now, um, and Orphan as well so basically the, the creator of black lightning tony isabella uh, essentially was was not happy with how he was how uh, black Light lightning is characterized in the, in the show basically saying how he's sort of relegated as a second stringer uh to batman um for his race i i read the issue i don't think that that's the case but i will see that that um i know of black lightning 
from from the show and from a lot of his own stuff is a very uh, a, a, a very strong and capable character. On um, reading this, Batman and the Outsiders number one, it, it he seemed very aimless. I mean, it, B- Batman's basically like, "Here's your team, go take care of it." And Black Lightning's like, "What are you just giving this to me because you don't know what to do with these people?" He's like, "Okay, bye, see ya." By the way, here's your, here's a penthouse I bought for you. So basically, most of the issue is Black Lightning going from like character to character, especially Katana saying, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with this team. How should I be a leader? And I think that that characterization, it, it might uh, lend credence to what Tony Isabella was saying. Um, but I don't think it's as extreme as he's making it sound in his article. But um, I would say, I think the biggest problem, it, it, it sounds kind of like he didn't like he got handed Black Lightning and he was like, who is this character? I have no idea what to do with him. Mm-hmm. Almost. It, that's a very distinct possibility, but we have yeah. uh, we have no way of knowing. Um, we we have no way of cl- we can't climb inside. Uh, we can't climb inside uh, Brian Hill's head and find out what he's planning to do with this. I will say that I can respect Mister Isabella's opinion because of the character he created and how it's become such a tour de force with readers, especially. Just we follow him on Twitter and he follows us, which we respect. We love him for that. But he has a lot. He oh, he puts out some of the most wonderful tweets about how just he's so appreciative of his character, a character he created in the '70s, making such a distinct impact. Especially when he's gotten. Well, I, I was gonna say, I think a, a big part of it can be, uh, you know, it, I I do think he's absolutely right in that I do think Black Lightning was underutilized. Um, but you know, I think one of the things that should be taken with a grain of salt is Black Lightning is his his character, his child, for mm-hmm. want of a, a better term. And so, you know, it, everybody's always going to be, you know, he knows exactly what Black Lightning should be in his mind, which carries a lot of weight because he he made it. Especially because he, uh, his most, the last thing he's ri- he wrote on the character was this uh, limited series, Cold Dead Hands, which... The fact that he was still working with the with the character up to a certain point says a lot mm-hmm. because there are some. Well, yeah, cre- but I'm saying like, like even even up, up until just recently, he had a, a lot more control over what was happening specifically to Black Lightning, and so you know to see it essentially taken over by someone who isn't doing it quote unquote correctly, I can see how that would make him you know hurt. Well, that's a difficulty with creating and writing characters for one of the big two. I mean, anything you create is is never really your own unless you work out a really good contract. I mean, that's the yeah. whole issue with creators' rights. Unless you unless you go independent, if you create something for DC, it is and you stop working there, it's out of your hands. Other people right. are going to take your character, and unless they completely bastardize the character, uh, it's it's just what you need to know going into it. And having read this issue. I can I can say with certainty that Black Lightning hasn't been like bastardized. He hasn't been Wally Wested for anyone who's been reading Heroes in Crisis. Um, but one interesting thing about this issue, un- unrelated to you know politics or whatever, at the very end of this issue, um, you might want to stop listening if you plan on reading this right now. So spoilers for uh, for this issue. Um, oh, I need to leave. Oh, yeah, okay. Go, go. See you later. Uh, so. This issue introduces basically DC's equivalent of Cable and Hope Summers at the very end. Ooh. Oh, basically, really? Yeah. Yeah, so basically the issue starts um, with this this woman and her dad. You uh, 
turns out they have superpowers. Surprise! And you find this out because they're driving, and you know they're, you, you know the the matriarch of the family's dead. This guy jumps in the middle of the road, smashes their car, kills the dad, grabs this woman, and throws her into it like in like throws her overhand into a tanker. It explodes, but she's fine. And then basically she's <laughs> on on the run. And then at the very end, there's a, there's a character. He's like, you know, he's got this goatee. He's all covered in silver. He's got a big gun. And he goes, "Hey, character, um, I'm from the future. Um, we need to say we we uh, I need to save you uh, because you're gonna have a big thing to do in the future. So like, don't screw up now." So it literally is Cable so and Hope it, Summers. It literally is the same thing. Yeah, but it's interesting to see what they're gonna do with it. And it's like, man, DC DC's been doing those Marvel analogs for a while now. From uh, New Age, of, from uh, Angord, New Age of Heroes, and now and now we got this where it's like not even part of its own thing. It's like, and here's Cable. Cool. All right, that's it. I well, did. In all I, fairness, sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, did any of you guys read any of that the um, New Age of Heroes stuff? Now that they're kind of winding down, everything's pretty much canceled except for the Terrifics. Uh, no, I actually I have haven't. Not, the, the, the only thing I've I've been reading is the Terrifics, and that's mostly because. Uh, Doc Sh- uh, Doc Shainer, one of my favorite artists, he did the Convergence uh, Shazam two issues when that was happening. So I fell in love with his art style immediately. He did the character concept sketches, and he's doing a lot of the cover work. So I've been doing that, and also because the fact that they brought in Tom Strong, one of my favorite characters from the ABC line when Alan Moore was still doing that, I was just like. Okay, so you've got Plastic Man, Metamorpho, Phantom Girl, and Mr. Terrific, and you're bringing in, like, the modern pulp DC equivalent of Doc Savage? Shut up and take my money right now. It's really good. Like, I've read a couple of the others. I I liked Silencer at first, because it's basically, like, it's basically a John Wick concept, but um, with a character who, like... Her superpowers that she can create like a zone of silence very handy if you're an assassin of course um so, so the whole I, thing is I, like i just want to say her superpower is to cast like a second level spell from dnd sure why not as long as it's like an no, area of zone silence. of silence is literally one of the i think it's like a second level ranger spell pretty much that i'm gonna yeah yeah that's the one that's it um but uh it's it's good it's like the question is whether or not you know her organization because it's a thing where like she had left her organ her assassin organization but every time you know i'm out they pull me back in so it's about whether or not her going back in and working for talia al ghul as her assassin is Hmm. is going to uh, put her family at risk which it does but it's not like full john wick like i don't know if they pulled the trigger on killing her family yet but it's not like a john wick thing where it's like I, I dog's like dead say, time yeah, to get like, like, like her family's going to bite it at some point yeah it's like it's it's definitely prolonging that but um her i mean her character showed up showed up uh on the flash i'm pretty sure so um silence is getting getting a, a pretty pretty big push really um, but I, I would say yeah terrifics and silencer that's really all you, all you need to worry about uh, for new age of heroes in my opinion well, duly noted then. Um, Mari. What do you say? Moving on to something rather different. So, Mari, we've had some yeah. wonderful news for those of us that happen to be big fans of WoW this week. Oh, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited. Uh, WoW Classic is coming out in August. Uh, and if anybody is interested in uh, signing up for the beta lottery, that's available as well. So I've definitely done that. Um, that's actually back when I started playing. Uh, when I had moved out to California uh, 10 years ago or so. Um 
I twelve years ago. Um, don't think uh, about it. My yep, nope, not even gonna not not even going to. Um, my friend set me up with the account. He's like, hey, this is a lot of fun. You know, let's give it a try. Um, and it literally was um, killing boars for about I don't know eight hours, twelve hours, and I was just like, so what do I do next? And he's like, oh no, 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 no. You've got like literally another week of this before your character gets a high enough level to do anything meaningful. So um, yeah, a lot of people really are excited great. for Classic. I don't know if they know what they're in for, but uh, <laughs> I, I will I'm say this, not gonna lie, I'll be there day one. Uh, this, you know, this is something Blizzard has said um, a lot. You guys think you want Classic, and that, that was actually the reasoning uh, for not giving Classic for quite some time, was... Um, it was actually a little condescending the way they said it was you guys think you want classic but you don't you got it's like blizzard you think you want money but apparently you don't well no, because and, blizzard's and I will actually say this. been losing a fair amount of subs uh and players just across all of their games that condescending attitude um if anybody plays diablo and knows moments? about diablo amardo yeah, don't you have cell phones? Yeah. Blizzard, uh, I don't know if it's the influence of Activision or if it's just Blizzard's gotten a bit too big for their britches, but um, yeah, condescending's a pretty good word for them. I, I was going to say, I, I'm I'm glad that if it's a case of them getting too big for their britches, they're getting, uh, you know, kind of kind of snapped back to reality uh, before they can acquire Valve levels of money. Mm-hmm. Because don't get me wrong, I, you know, they make Dota 2, they make Steam, all my games are on Steam, but... um. You're kind of jerks, guys. <laughs> so, so are they going to charge you full price just for the the original vanilla version of World of Warcraft? No, uh, no, no. You have access to Classic as long as you have a current WoW subscription. Oh, cool. Okay. So I'm just saying. So, so I would say, depending on how you look at it, you're either paying for WoW Classic and then you get Modern WoW on the side, or you're paying for WoW Modern and you get WoW Classic on the side. So it's kind oh, of a glass half full kind of thing, I guess. Well, no, it's it's not really a, a glass half full or a glass half empty kind of thing. It's really just more of a. It just depends on the glass is full. It just depends on which way you're looking at the glass, really. Oh, okay. Hmm. Well, I uh, I sadly don't play WoW, so I can't speak much to this, unfortunately. But I know about the game and its long, interesting history, and the fact that for anyone who clearly enjoyed Classic, even. Mari, I feel like you may have gained some enjoyment over tw over eight hours of killing boars just to try to level up, but hey, you never know. I'll be doing it, no lie. I'll be I'll be there and playing. And then uh, it's their fifteenth anniversary in Ooh. November, and yes. uh, they just released yeah they just released um, uh, their pet. You're getting an amazing amount, which I won't spoil. You guys should go online, go Wowhead, go check it out. Um, the I feel like they're, they're, they're giving a little bit of uh, a little bit of sweetness to their players after the last six months. The storyline and wow, I could I could talk about this for a while, but uh... is the mount a burning tree? These are words I recognize, just not in the order that you're saying. Them. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like that old sentence. I, I recognize say, all if, those words, but I don't know what they mean. Some just glorious blizzard cinematics just go ahead these words aren't going to mean anything to you but type in sylvanas burns the world tree okay sounds uh, good you know what they're you know what they're doing to wow they're doing to wow what's happening with dungeons and dragons everything else in the game is amazing the art direction is outstanding the music is gorgeous the the new zones are beautiful looking but dear god is the writing just somebody's fallen somebody's fallen uh <laughs> 
off the wagon. Wait, yeah. So what do you mean the right? I didn't. It, so because I I still play D and D, but been a long time since I touched any of like the story stuff. Look, last time I touched story stuff was Drizzt. <laughs> you know, I I will freely admit that. Um, you can judge me all you want for that. I'm not saying Drizzt was good. If you can give us a brief overview, what's going on there? Like that the I oh, mean, just storyline for a while. Bad. Just storyline for a while. Oh no no uh, not not wow. You said D and D. Um, I was gonna say I've, I've actually kind of oh, kept up with the wow storyline. D and D is is David Benioff and D B Weiss from Dun from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Oh gosh. Way yeah. different D and D. Way different D and D. I'm like Drist. Drist isn't in Warcraft. Oh, okay. I mean, there are enough people Drist. playing Rangers named Drist. This is true. I've seen a lot of variants on that one, but no, whole other problem. Yeah, yeah. that was that was really funny. Yeah, we're I, talking about, about that. Yeah, speaking speaking of one of the D's in D and D, David uh, Benioff. I mean, to get, Zach, to give you an idea of what we're dealing with in Game of Thrones now, this is the guy that wrote X Men Origins Wolverine. This is the guy that's responsible <laughs> for that Deadpool, and now now Disney yeah, wants to give them a Star Deadpool Wars up. trilogy. Oh my. Uh... There's yeah, actually so. a great trending hashtag, which is like to take Star Wars away from them because hasn't Star Wars already been through enough? I mean, it, do- I it doesn't need this. Think so. <laughs> stop, stop it! Stop it! Can't you see it's already dead? Okay, not yeah, yet. Exactly. Not yet. It's it's kind of like it's the horse. Got Rise of Skywalker left. <laughs> like I, I again, it's one of those things. I want that movie to be good. I desperately want to love Star Wars, and and. You know, like I read some of the new, uh, I read some of the new Vader stuff they gave us. Uh, I read the new Thrawn. You know, when I found out they were doing another batch of Thrawn, Thrawn comics, I went in and I said, "As long as Thrawn gets to be Thrawn, I will buy all of these." And I, I had, I, I, I've read the entirety of it, and it's, it's Grand Admiral Thrawn is the smartest jerk in the room, and he knows it. Okay, so we can work with that. At least, at least they didn't let you down in that regard. Now yeah. give a, now give us Kyle Katarn back, please. Thank you, and Mara Jade, I'll and that one chick with the with the bent lightsabers, uh, Asajj Ventress. Right. Asajj, yeah, Asajj Ventress. I was gonna say, you know what? Yeah, Ventress had some real cool stuff too. She was, she was the one I, I like maybe the most out of the the Clone Wars show. But um, guys, have you uh, has this ever happened to you? Have you ever gone into a movie, and when it started playing, it wasn't the movie you thought it was going to be? Oh my god. Yeah, that's actually, that has happened to me. Story. Actually, that happened to me in real life once. <laughs> let's, get, let's get back to... Yeah, what, what, what happened with you before I get into this article? Um, yeah. I was going to go see Fred Claus in theaters with friends, and instead, whatever the latest, like, you know, R-rated adult adult movie started playing instead. Well, funny you should say that, Josh, because... <laughs> except, um, I, except, some... <laughs> except I didn't see that happen. I went to go get snacks because I was hungry, so I missed out on that. <laughs> oh, and you came back and it's a totally different... It's like, wow, this really... No, like, everyone is outside the theater getting mad at the manager. Oh, okay. Well, I imagine that happened uh, this past weekend when a when a uh, screening of Detective Pikachu was accidentally swapped with a screening of The Curse of La Llorona, which is the latest spinoff of the... Uh, conjuring horror movie franchise and this one's basically about uh, a family in LA trying to deal with a ghost that's literally oh, come it on. it'll toughen the kids up okay it'll make them it'll make them stupider and I'll tell you why spoilers <laughs> for anyone 
spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen La Llorona, La Llorona, because I'm going to tell you how it ends. It ends with the family who's trying to trying to funnel this ghost out of the house, doing the dumbest fucking thing possible. Okay, you know, you hey, know oi, how. Oi, oi, um, oi, 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 oi. Language, language. Dumbest freaking thing possible. Sorry, Josh. Uh, so basically, you have you have a ghost that they need to funnel out of the house, right? Okay, so they talk. So funnel a ghost. Yeah, they need to lead it out of the house. They are locking a ghost out of the house. That's what this movie is about. So <laughs> they they can they consult with you know uh, an old gypsy woman or, or whatever the heck, and uh, they you know do As all the rituals do. for the wind for the windows and and the front door, and then you know and they're, the they're, they're, and, and the walls, but. But they forgot one thing. They have a back door. Oh so my Lyorona gosh. comes in through the back door. <laughs> Wait. And there's a there's a moment where they're like, they're like, we got it. Oh my god. The back door! Wait, no, so, hold on. What uh, do you mean they forgot they had a back door? I mean they forgot they had a back door. Like So does in she this have in- hands? She has hands that she can just like open door. Uh, like I'm, uh, uh, I'm missing. Like a vampire I've got like. so many questions about how those the mechanics. Yeah, saying, of this is like movie a vampire works. thing. Like unless invited across the threshold, you may not pass. Ba- basically, yeah, it's one of those one of those like threshold things. You know, putting salt in the in the doorway, whatnot. But like when you're planning this out, you might want to make sure you've gotten all your doors. Well, they clearly. forgot they had a back door. So the so like I just don't understand how you forget you have a like like it like if you if you have like a side door in from the garage and maybe you don't use that or maybe you know like I just don't understand how you forget that you have a back door. Or maybe if it's like one of those big California uh like you know Hollywood villas where it's like your back door is just kind of like an open veranda type thing. Like I could understand that. Maybe no, it's it's a door. It's literally just a, a back what door. What about if the window was cracked? Like I, I still can't get past the mechanics of this because I'm with Zach on the like funneling it out. Like I'm imagining them like you know with that towel just kind of like you know chasing this ghost out of the house. I imagine and then, like the spritz <laughs> having the window shot like by the Pope. Yeah, I just out of this house. Movie doesn't make any sense to me. Like the the back door thing is the least of my questions at this point. I, well, just to bring it back down, like. I mean, no, because we could talk no, about no, this movie. No, 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 Let's keep mocking this concept. Let's drive this into the ground. <laughs> well, I want to do that, but the fact that we're actually down to the last 15 minutes of the show. Oh. Like, time has literally flown by according to, well, we're down to the last 16 minutes and 13 seconds, if you want to get specific. But time has literally flown. But So, so the, 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 moral, the moral of the story is, like kids, kids if, you want, <laughs> if you want to catch a Pikachu, make sure you always keep your back door open. That's well, the moral of the story. She be a uh, you know, I, I feel that you should not be advising yes. children to keep the back door open. That can be taken out of context, sir. Oh. I'm, not advi- I'm not advising it. La Llorona and the oh. theater is, apparently. Oh. oh my god. Listen, kids. Kids. You're gonna learn about evolution eventually. Don't become a victim of it. <laughs> <laughs> As we get ready to wrap up, though, um, one other thing before we get into what everybody is reading or watching this week. Uh, one of the other uh, deaths that we had this week was the death of screen of the, of the uh, screenwriter Alvin Sargent, who's known for doing a lot of famous stuff like the Alfred Hitchcock Hour. But more famously, what we would know him for is the fact that he did the adaptations for Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 and 3 and did the rewrite on Amazing Spider-Man. So he's responsible for penning at least 
three Spider-Man movies, which you got to give him I any credit like for. And I point out that he did that in his 80s. Because yeah, he did true. pass at like 92, and I think Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man came out in 2004? 2004, yeah. I want to say, yeah, 2002, 2004. 2004. So I hope I am that awesome and nerdy when I am in my 80s, because yeah. I, you know what, major Ooh. props for writing three Spider-Man movies while you're gumming through some Jello. No, oh, sorry. <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh! Oh, no, specifically, um, I just double-checked this. Spider-Man 2 came out in 04, so you weren't half off. Um, but regardless of that, just again, like you said, the fact that he was writing superhero movie scripts when he was already yeah. in his 80s is an amazing thing. Like I, On, Honestly, though, yeah. And amazing. And Spider-Man 2 was awesome. I loved that one. Uh, Alfred Molina oh, as Doc it. Ock. That was, that was great. And it had, uh, at least up until we got the, uh, the 2018 Spider-Man, probably the best spider-man game they made that's definitely i do remember playing that so i will agree with you on that score and then uh the one with yuri lowenthal came out and i was like wait what happened to everything else i'm sorry i'm gonna go play this amazing spider-man game that has this expanded world the only thing that i was mad about was that we didn't get stuff for like the only thing that was wrong with that game was we didn't get stuff with like miles and gwen that was my complaint we didn't get more content out of the massive amount they gave us. It's a valid complaint, but just uh, rest in peace, Mister Sergeant. You were Indeed. you were a ty- you were a you were a legend in Hollywood, as evidenced by the uh, outpouring that you got from people. And you wrote three Spider-Man movies, so we love you for that, buddy. We we love a good you. Good guy, for, in my book. Yeah, yeah. You're, he's a, he's a good guy in my book too. You're but, a good egg, and you're old. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> uh, you're fine. No, but we're down to the last. 13 minutes, which is so crazy that the hour has flown by. So really, with the last few minutes of this show, what is everybody reading this week? I was going to say, you know what? I'm going to make an executive decision. I'm putting Mari in the hot seat first. Yes. Because she, she's, okay. she's been stuck at the end for a while, so I'm going to put Mari in the hot seat. Yep. Alright, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, I read a fun one. This is actually by Scout Comics. Uh, it was called The Mall. And uh, I really loved the cover art on wait, this. Wait, quick yeah. question. Yes. M-A-U-L or M-A-L-L? M-A-L-L. It's the coming okay. of... Uh, it's a 1980s coming-of-age crime story. So uh, if that doesn't pique your interest, uh, the cover definitely did it. It's got that... It's a great um, kind of monochromatic grays, but then these big pops of neon pink. Um, I... Let's see. Uh, Don Hanfeld and James Hake the third writers in this one. Um, it was, was just say, a. Re- I know our lovely readers can't see it, but if you could actually flip the uh, the cover towards the camera, there. Ooh, yes, I do like. Right, that. that's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I wish that the story grabbed me as much as the cover did. Uh, it's kind of cute. It's kind of cute. It's uh, it's got a little bit of a of a. I don't know. Uh, the basically the the storyline on this one is you got a young kid. He works in a mall. Uh, he's got a piano store okay. uh, that he inherited from his mob boss real father, um, who knocked up his mom years ago. He died and left him this this piano store, uh, which is obviously a front for laundering money, more or less. So, like right off the bat, the oh, first said, page, the I was like, "All in. This sounds awesome." Well, Zach, you and were he saying did something. Know it. Oh, okay, interesting. Hmm. He did know it, uh, and he's part of the business uh, at this point. But then it makes this crazy hard right turn into just being like a 
uh, story of the young nerdy kid who wants the hot cheerleader and he has to, you know, he makes a bet with her hot jock boyfriend to see which one of them can win a game at the arcade. Uh, And then there's a a showdown with the mobs and it just, yeah, it was a weird kind of all over the place, a little bit of Riverdale, a little bit of the Godfather. This literally sounds like they took half the tropes for 80s movies and mashed them together. I mean, you've literally got something like, I don't want to say Beverly Hills Cop, but that's the best thing I can think of right now. Like, a little bit of the humor of Beverly Hills Cop and the fact that, okay, Arcade, Tron, and then (laughs) something like, something out of a John Hughes movie, like Weird Science or Pretty in Pink or Breakfast Club. It definitely has a little bit of that flavor, especially with all of the different clicks. Although I don't know how many of the um, lettered football jacket players you were really getting at the arcade back in the day. I am a little bit uh, bummed that the artwork in it was didn't have more of an '80s feel to it. This could have been straight out of today, but uh, it was it was it was fun. I'll give it that. You know what? Keep me interested. I read the the mall by Hanfield and Hake, and uh, art by oh, I'm gonna butcher this one, Lurero. So the interiors, they don't have that, like, 80s pastel thing that the cover has. No, I no, I would have loved that. Either you got to go for those, like, weird 80s pastels with the really, like, saturated, bold, jazz cup kind of colors. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All righty then. Well, you know, we're down to... Pass it over to you. All right then. Okay, Uh, I'll... uh, Kevin, are we passing it to you? We're passing the ball to Kevin. Kevin, go quickly. Okay, Caught the ball. Um, so I'm actually going to do a viewer's review this time around for the first two episodes of HBO's miniseries Chernobyl. Oh, this wow. is deser- so good. This deserves an Emmy two episodes in. I mean, mm. I know it's out of four. It's a miniseries. It's basically a four-hour movie. But it, it, it does highly dramatize everything that happened um, with the Chernobyl incident and kind of focuses on what it was like on the ground, what the, the effects of... Um, a, a lot of the ignorance and, and the cover-up um, from the Soviet government was, and how a lot of it was just not, you know, not just wanting to control information and to make sure, you know, panic doesn't get out or, you know, to control the masses. But so much of it was just ego and hubris about why this wasn't dealt with in a much better way, especially from the from the get-go, right? You have this nuclear, react, nu- nuclear core exploding, and the first thing these guys do is call the fire department. So it, it's it's bad from the get go. So just just the way it's paced and the tension, the cinematography is amazing. The pace is just bow bow bow. It just keeps on going. It, it's just I, I'm I'm really excited to see where this goes. So if you are disappointed with Game of Thrones and you don't want to cancel your HBO subscription just yet, check out Chernobyl. It, you will not be disappointed. You might be a little disturbed. It might feel a little bit irradiated through your TV, but you will not be disappointed. <laughs> Okay, then. I'm definitely going to have to check this out. The All right. third eye will come in handy for watching uh, the next episode. Third eye. Well, you can, you can, you can watch it, and then your third eye can keep an eye on your phone. Yeah. Oh. Evolution. Extra arms, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, Zach, what do you have for us? Uh, oh, 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 uh, um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, this <laughs> week, I, I blitzed through all of uh, Spider-Gwen. That, that was what I did. I blitzed through all of Spider-Gwen. Yeah, because what issues t- is that? Well, volumes alone. How many volumes was that, Zach? Like six? Well, there's seven volumes, counting volume zero, which I had an angry rant about last week. <laughs> just, just please don't do volume zeros. But, Got it. So, uh, uh, your thoughts on uh, Spider Gwen, especially because you fell in love with her character after we saw Into the Spider Verse. Well, I, I'd always been interested in it, 
and I just never had a chance to read the trades. And seeing her, seeing her in Spider Verse reminded me that it was like, oh yeah, this is this is a pretty cool character, and I'd like to see where. Um, you know, I thought a lot of the stuff they did just just outside of Spider Gwen was very interesting. Like Frank Castle slowly became the Punisher, but he was still on the police force. Hmm. Um. Uh, it, it was very interesting to see uh, why the Green Goblin came about in that one, which was, uh, it was actually Harry seeking revenge for what happened to Peter Parker, who everyone thought was murdered by Spider-Woman, uh, Gwen, which, yes and no, he wasn't, but... Or the fact so that... There was, uh... there was just a, a lot of stuff that I thought was very interesting, uh, and it's, spoiler, for anybody who hasn't read all of it, at the very end... Uh, she ends up bonding with the Venom symbiote, but in a, in a truly, actually symbiotic relationship. Uh, huh, wow. It, it's a lot... Think like Agent Venom, but even more, like, on board with doing what the host wants. Cool. I, have, I, 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 I regret that I didn't finish reading all of this before I had to take it back to the library, but I remember uh, you got especially indignant over what they did to Matt Murdock. No, I wasn't indignant. I, I, I thought it was really interesting. Um, for those of you who don't know, they had Matt Murdock end up as the kingpin. Interesting. Uh, well, specifically, he's 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 Wilson Fisk's lawyer and also one of his, like, I guess well, so, sometimes so doing an assassin. He ends up working for the hand. Oh, Stick fails. Oh, so, oh, so, stick so failed. Stick fails, and the hand is like, that kid, though. We could do a lot with that kid. And so he gets taken in by the hand, and he's raised by the hand instead of stick. Um, and so he, he ends up working for uh, Wilson Fisk as his lawyer, and after a while, he, he just gets bored. So he decides to become the kingpin. Kingpin or kingpin? Get your... Uh, sorry, get... kingpin, sorry. Kingpin, um, kingpin. Kingpin, okay. I'm going to say kingpin from now on just to annoy you. <laughs> so, um, so, Will, so in this... First of all, seven issues of Elseworlds, okay by me, right off the bat. So yeah. in this, just just so I'm clear, okay, so the Kingpin, I'm sorry, Fisk was the Kingpin, and then yes. Matt Murdock, Murdock, through his cleverness, him and took over. Oh, okay, no cleverness involved, got it, okay. I, I mean, there was cleverness in, in taking over, but like, no, Wilson, Wilson Fisk is straight murdered. Wow. Okay. Iced it <laughs> out of the picture. All right then, and with the uh, with the four minutes we have left, and yes, I know I'm doing like a time countdown, but just to be cognizant of where we are, my reader's review was that I went and spoiled myself with the uh, hardcover copy of Sean Murphy's Batman White Knight. I know all of you want to chime in, but we're kind of running out of time here, so I'm just going to quickly go through it. For anyone who hasn't read this thing, shame on you. This is like the most bizarrely epic take on the Joker I've ever read, and that includes... That includes a Batman Elseworlds where the Joker becomes Batman in an apocalyptic future where Gotham is a police state. So yeah, this is this really explored the core of, I think, the relationship between Batman and Joker and also the overarching question of does Batman really make a positive impact on Gotham City? Because that is a huge theme throughout this book because he's been around for a long time. They weave in the relationship of Harley and Joker and really t flip a lot of the stuff that we've known for years on its head. 
and that's because of Sean Murphy. Uh, for those of you who don't know who the heck he is, he did stuff like um, he did Chrononauts with Mark Millar. He did The Wake with Scott Snyder. He also did Punk Rock Jesus. But this is the first time where he where he did something where he not only got to draw, but he also wrote it. And he's already got a sequel series coming out this year with uh, Azra- July 24th. Yeah, oh, it's coming out, thank you, in July with Azrael. So picking up where White Knight left off which is going to be fantastic. I literally if you read the if you read the the, the series piece all the way through, that's fine. If you have the trade paperback, that's just as good, but the hardcover it's just got this glorious dust jacket and so much extra stuff and you get this amazing wraparound cover on the uh, for the hardcover copy. It, it honestly is well worth the price tag and again, if you love Batman, you're going to love this because you get to take a deep dive into so many of the facets of Batman's world that you may never have really felt like they touched on over the years. One of them being just, spoiler alert, how much Batman really put stock in his relationship with Alfred. Because, spoilers, mm. uh, the faithful butler father figure... Oh, Kevin, you're, you're you're telling me not to do this. You haven't read it yet. Don't, no, no, mm, okay. no. I've, I've read it. It's just don't don't spoil that part for the people who have it. That okay, is, that is a that's a big part. All right then, I will not spoil big that. Part. But it, it 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 this book for and I'm gonna spoil everything for you right now. Ke- Zach, you Alfred's a woman. No. Yeah, whatever. No, but Alfred <laughs> is Catwoman. Okay, no, just stop. Just stop right now, guys. But uh, like I said. Like and I know I was rambling for a little bit and I'm sorry, but just because of how much I loved this thing, like I bought every issue when it came out in stores. That's how dedicated I was to this thing, and I I wanted to buy the trade, but I was like, no, I want to wait to see what the hardcover has to offer. Hmm. But honestly, it's 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 crazy how quickly time flies now that we're doing this new format. It's been a lot of fun this week. We've talked about a lot of really amazing things, some tragic passings, and also just new stuff and. I can't wait to see what we do for next week, especially because I'm going to be up at Motor City Comic Con in uh, the Detroit area this weekend, so I'm hoping to come back with some really good interviews and some really great stories to share from my time out there. As always, continue to support your local libraries, bookshops, comic book shops, and more. You can find us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Leave a review, like us, review us, rate us. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram as well. And from all of us here, as always, I'm Josh. I'm Ari. I'm Kevin. I'm Zach. And we will see you guys next time. So long, same nerd time, same nerd channel. Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.